Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to Bigfoot and the Bunny. This is a couple's journey into the mysterious, the unknown, and, and the, the paranormal. paranormal. I'm your host, Chris Carr. And I'm your host, Kristen Johnson. Together, Together we, we are Bigfoot, Bigfoot and the, the Bunny. Bunny. And we're live. Welcome to Bigfoot and the Bunny. Happy Saturday, folks. Happy Saturday. And uh, today's a big big day and i just want to let you guys know i've got a crazy sore throat today so if i sound scratchy don't don't mind it um kristen has not been feeling well for a while uh you actually missed your first show for for being sick yeah. this thursday uh when you talked to nathaniel gillis uh, apologize for that we did get through it and it was a, a cool show and you gotta mute that that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> a computer had a total mental breakdown. I was it like, what the did right before we go live. It goes crazy. And uh, which is also the reason why we were not at uh, Ocean State Paracon today. Got it. I got it. Thank you. Nope. Still going. <laughs> and, um, we did want to get over there uh, to see um, Ken DaCosta, Andrea Perrin, who was our guest last week on Bigfoot and a Bunny. Hey, Andrea, I didn't know she was speaking today, and we had uh, a bunch of friends we wanted to hang out with, and uh, we just were not feeling up to it. So sorry, guys, but uh, do check out those shows and uh, archives of whatever platform you're watching us mm -hmm. on. Um, Andrea's uh, interview with us set a few personal records as well yeah. as and stuff. That was really cool. So uh, we really appreciate that, and she was wonderful to talk to at... Um, yeah, we, we of course got a, a good show for you today, but we want to talk about a couple of quick things first. Michelle Freed. Oh, yes. Um, remote viewing. If you are looking to have something remote viewed, found, or learn remote viewing, uh, I recommend you reach out to our friend Michelle at ButterflyEffectCenter.com. Um, be it uh, you know, a missing person, a missing wedding ring, um, or, you know, some something you're looking for. Uh, she and uh, her team of remote viewers can help you find it. If you're interested in learning how to remote view, uh, that's a great place to go. And uh, let her know Bigfoot and the Bunny sent you. So <laughs> <laughs> plug, plug, plug. We sent you. 
we sent you over there. <laughs> ButterflyEffectCenter.com. Mm -hmm. uh, she's wonderful. She's great. We, we love Michelle. And um, what else do we want to I was, get into a couple of things? I was going to say, I was watching, um, I love Bella Lugosi. And I was watching one of his movies the other night, and it's called The Ape Man. And um, it was done in 1943. Right. And his sister was in the movie that was that portrayed his sister. Um, he called um, her a ghost hunter. Now, yes. this was back in 1943. So um, I said to Chris, I was like, I called him and I was like, oh my God, mm. they said ghost hunter. And again, 1943. And um, this is uh, fascinating, right? Yeah. Because Obviously, the Ghost Hunters TV series, a lot of our uh, watchers, you know, are very familiar with. And this is no offense to to Grant and, and everyone right, in the team right. and Jason Haas. But uh, I don't personally like that term because I don't feel like hunting hunting is, is really the appropriate word to yeah. ghost when we're talking about spirits of, say, children or past loved ones. Right. And uh, also, we've had enough experience go-arounds with us to know that Ooh, they can yeah. hunt you so, <laughs> yeah <laughs> given this information um you know I, I don't love that term in particular but it's something we all use and it's in the vernacular and you know we understand of course right you know but uh, we didn't realize it was such an old term right so the thing is um we looked into the history i was delving into it and seriously cannot find who coined the term ghost hunter so we were wondering if anybody out there and listening in our audience mm -hmm. um, knows who coined the term ghost hunter. When it was first used. It, um, Dr. Google did not help us very no, much with this. Uh, we suspect it started during the spiritualist movement. No, it was before that. It was in the um, 1700s. Oh, 1700s. Started. Okay, mm -hmm. 18th century. And yeah, and the spiritual movement started um, with those two uh, sisters. The there. Fox sisters. Yeah. Yes. And later that. And uh, that was from uh, 1848 until mm -hmm. the. Um, middle of the 1900s. So 1700s and cannot figure out who said ghost hunter. Yeah. So that's our wrap. Who first said it? Who coined it? If you guys right. know out there in chat, or yeah, you end know. up watching this, um, let us know if, if you have some insight on that because we're very curious. You know, I didn't, we didn't realize it was like used back then or yeah. certainly in a Bela Lugosi movie. So yeah, very interesting, right? Hello, so, Courtney Peterson. Hey there, Michelle Mil Millions. 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 Karen Analook. Hey, hi from a Anchorage, Alaska. Well, yeah. that's cool. And uh, yeah, I got some people out there already saying hello. Um, that, that's awesome. Hey, Courtney. <laughs> <clears throat> Love our pun family. We sure do. Yes. Sir. We sure do. So, also. I wanted to speak about um, the mysterious booms that have been happening for years. We'll come to find out it just happened over my town Wednesday night and also um, other parts of Massachusetts. Yeah, let's talk about that real quick. The yeah. mysterious booms. Okay, so if you go to YouTube and you type in the search of mysterious booms, you just put that in as a search. You're going to get like years of information coming back, news stories, different Decades. things. And lately they've been popping up in the news. Um more with more frequency and even locally about a month ago in new hampshire northern massachusetts there was a, a whole lot of these things they are not showing up on, on seismographs nope. uh, but they will they're the booms are loud enough to like rattle your house rattle your windows knock mm -hmm. something off a shelf people yes. are reporting this phenomena occurring 
Uh, and it's not just uh, relegated to New England where we're from, but it's all over the country. All it's the world, all over really. the world, right? And um, it just so happens we that we haven't heard a good explanation, right? Like no. they were talking about uh, meteor showers and you know meteors like breaking through the atmosphere or maybe causing yeah. these things, but nobody seems to know. You know, it we're seems just... like something they would know, right? Like if there's a meteors coming down and and making everything go boom. Um, I think they would know that. Some people say it comes from the ground. That's where they think that it's coming from. But most people say it comes from the air, like you were saying, like yeah, yeah, sonic yeah. or mock. Hello. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. Hi. <laughs> from the Mr. car family. And Mrs. Car. I love that my parents watch this. I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So it just, I don't know, it just baffles us. Yeah, as yeah. well. So Jesus if anybody has a, all over the world, that's yeah, right. That's right. For decades. So if you, you know, have any experience with that, if you know a lot of things, please let us know. Yeah. 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 You could Gmail us too at um, www. <laughs> Don't uh, Gmail to the website. Dude. Bigfoot and the bunny. See, we're not feeling 100%. I'm not. You're right. <laughs> it's Bigfoot and the bunny at gmail.com. So sorry. <laughs> but that's all right. Let us know. You know, you can yeah. always find us on Facebook. Wherever you're watching us, uh, facebook.com slash Bigfoot and the Bunny. It's or also a great question our, our, yeah, for our, our guests. Networks that we're on. And uh, hey, Robert Honings, how are you doing? Hi, Robert. But, I haven't seen you in a while. Please tell Br Bridget we said hello. Absolutely. And let me get a little information up here. Getting out uh, the bio. Checking yeah, out the gonna, we have a wonderful guest for you coming. this week. Her name is Lindsay Sharman. <clears throat> She's an experiencer of other realms via astral travel, dreamwalking, visions, interactions with other dimensional entities, a shaman, a spiritual guide and teacher for others. Uh, she's going to come on to discuss how she performs cleansings, blessings, spiritual reclamation, and uh, discuss her tarot journey, including a uh, severe entity attachment. Now, that's a subject that really oh, yes. me is entity attachments, and uh, I can't wait to dig into this. Um <clears throat> In uh, personal shamanic encounters of a profound nature, including, and I like this word, I uh, wasn't familiar with this word, synchro mystic travels. Oh, I through, love that word. Yes. Life uh, leading to her, her purpose. Let's, let's get her on right now. Hi. Hey. Welcome. Welcome to Bigfoot and a Bunny, Lindsay Sherman. How are you? I am so good. It's really nice to be here with you, Chris and uh, Kristen, for your and your whole audience. And I'm glad that that you're invited me here today to chat about all these things. It's going to be fun. Thank you for being Great. here. We really appreciate yes. it. So you have a, a quite a story, and um, you are into some really really cool stuff. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. How did you get in, involved in in this kind of paranormal world of astral travel and shamanic journeys? Where does this begin? It all just happened to me. <laughs> um, I really, yeah, I usually peg the start as the, the tarot experience that led to a demonic attachment. Um, but really, it was before then. I was always, um, you know, in touch with, and I guess now I understand it to be like channeling and communicating with other entities. And I just, when you're a child and you're doing things like that, it doesn't, seem like anything because everything mm -hmm. in the world is new and i you know you don't know how other people experience reality you know so 
Yeah. So it took me a long time to even really understand that as a child, I was communicating with trees and plants and animals and you oh, know, clouds, like everything mm -hmm. that exists. And then, you know, that slowly gets sort of uh, trained out of us as we grow up, you know, we're, mm -hmm. we're not, we're not, if we bring up like, oh, this and this happened, our parents are like, that's not real. You're just imagining things. You have such an overactive yeah. imagination. Mm -hmm. and, Go back to bed. Yep. Yeah. And you get dismissed. And then you start to learn like, oh, those things aren't something I should pay attention to. And it just starts to ebb out of your, I guess, natural abilities. And I really believe that all children, especially if they're, you know, really healthy and, and unharmed, uh, are going to have these abilities and that they're going to most likely lose these abilities in the same ways um, that most of us do. But I was uh, fortunate, I guess, <laughs> in that I uh, had reintroduction into some of these things via, again, uh, tarot and, and a demonic entity attachment and also, you know, some really paranormal um, poltergeist-like activity that went along with that as well. And at the same time, around the same time, I was starting to astral travel. I didn't know what that was. And I was starting to have what I now feel are probably abductions uh, and I didn't know what that was and I had oh. what I believe are implants and I didn't know what those were and yeah. <laughs> there was a lot going on and um, and it all kind of happened at once but I usually tell the tarot story as sort of the start because it's easier for people to grasp <laughs> well I, I totally agree with you and I and just want to note that a, a lot of the people we talk to and, and this is true of ourselves mm -hmm that have a, a this kind of lifelong interest in the paranormal, these esoteric subjects, um, did have childhood somewhat dramatic experiences usually um, happen to them. You know, and of course, nobody, the parents don't believe you. They believe us. You know, yeah. go, like I said, go back to bed or whatever it is. They know, you know, they just, dismiss it. Like you said, it's just your imagination. Eventually, you know, you'd start to dismiss it. Mm -hmm. But um you know, my own memories, and I know Kristen, this is true of Kristen as well, are like super clear of our childhood, you know, traumas, if you will, uh, with the paranormal. And, it, and they weren't like nice things. You know, mm -hmm. she dealt with uh, shadow figures that were had poltergeist activities. Mm -hmm. I had this thing with clowns. I, I'm not even going to get into it. I've talked about <laughs> yeah. it on the show before, but it, yeah. it was horrible, you know, and, and um, it, I always wanted to know why. So what what happened with you? Yeah, I didn't have those really negative experiences. I seem to have been uh, protected for a time, at least as a child. I had other traumatic experiences from life and growing up in poverty and an alcoholic father who died when I was young. So I do have trauma in common. And it does seem in my own experiences that people have trauma and then <laughs> are also then open or more open or more connected with these types of things. So it is really interesting to note that. Um, but my uh, my boyfriend actually had the same sort of really negative attacks all through childhood and um, at the same, you know, it's just it's interesting to me. Like, I can't really understand how a child would be attacked so directly with these negative and malevolent images and beings and dreams and experiences because um, it doesn't make sense spiritually or emotionally or otherwise. But I've started to understand that a lot of us come into this world from our previous lives with a lot of attachments and karma or also familial attachments um, that were sort of came in ready to help deal with. And so I think that that plays a role in it, at least uh, why that happens to some people and, and why it doesn't happen to other people. 
and it still feels unfair <laughs> and it's still, you know, <laughs> right. you can't, I don't know, but I, I at least can kind of understand why, you know, where the attachments are coming from when I look at it that way. Um, but for myself, um, I'm not sure, you know, my father was in the military and sometimes military uh, parentage uh, leads to sort of, a, especially abduction experiences often. Um, but he wasn't like a high up or like a general or any sort of secret or special ops. So usually it's more that sort of thing. And, um, and so I don't know what role, if any, that played in it either. Um, but basically I, uh, went one night to a slumber party and I was maybe about, uh, 14 or 15 or so. I don't really have a very clear memory of date. I'm really bad with time. <laughs> like it just doesn't, I don't have. Yeah, I understand why we're the same we way. And I love that slumber party because yeah. slumber refers to sleep. And it, that's like the last thing kids do at slumber parties. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, and it was a I was in a, a phase of sobriety and because I had a lot of drug abuse um, and alcohol abuse when I was very young uh, because of my trauma and other things. And so uh, this was a, a period of time where I was being sober and uh, I was at this slumber party with these sober group of young girls uh we were all hanging out together and the oldest one was actually many of the girls their sponsor so she was 18 at least you have to be 18 to be a sponsor um and she had brought tarot cards to our slumber party and i had never really had any interaction with them at all you know i always don't say maybe i saw some what in you do? what's that don't drink don't smoke what do you do i guess it's tarot cards. adam is that <laughs> adam man right adam yeah, yeah. yeah sorry i apologize <laughs> That's totally fine. Yeah. And so apparently you do tarot. And um, I, <laughs> but I didn't know, you know, and like I always say, maybe I saw it in movies or a show or something once or twice, but I didn't really have like an idea of what this was. And for anyone really young out there, the internet didn't exist. So I hadn't, I had really no rec understanding of things like this. They weren't in my life. Uh, so when she was doing tarot readings for people, I started to put it together. I'm like, oh, it's like a fortune telling thing. You know, like, I guess that's what this is. It's like a card game for fortune telling. And and I didn't really I always kind of just stand back a bit and watch. And so I didn't really like even really want to try it. But then at the end, I was like the last person. And she was like, you have to do it. And everyone's like, yeah, you have to do it. And I'm like, oh, whatever. It's like a card game. right? <laughs> so I did it. And um, I'll say, as far as I know, no one else there that night got any sort of attachment. But I uh, sat down to do the reading. And the way that this girl did her readings is really inappropriate and dangerous, as I became painfully aware. Um, but I had no idea at the time that it could be. So I don't suggest this to anyone. But what she did was she asked uh, a spirit to come and guide the reading. Every time she did a reading, she asked a spirit to come and guide the reading. She didn't delineate what kind of spirit or who or where, nothing at all. Just any spirit, just come guide the reading. Mm. So oh, that boy. was the fatal flaw uh, that I didn't know. And so we did this reading and the reading was um, really scary for her, which then was scary for me because none of the other readings were scary for her. And I didn't understand why. But now having read tarot for many, many years, she uh, I understand that as she's flipping over each card, every single card in a 10 card reading was a major arcana and major arcana is only 22 mm -hmm. cards out of 76. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> however many cards. Um right. And so it's not likely that, you know, in a general reading, people get maybe two or three major arcana sometimes, mm -hmm. maybe a little more, a little less. Uh, 
but every single card was major arcana every single card was major arcana every single card and every single card was reversed and in any given reading of course you have a 50 percent probability you're going to get a pretty even mix of upright and reverse for the most part and it doesn't always happen but those are statistics right Right. and and being reversed i mean the card was laid upside down and 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 if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, would mean the opposite of what it would mean if it was right set up. It's not always exactly opposite, um, but it's at least uh, indicative of like a a shift or a twist or a blockage of some kind of the upright, you know, more flowing and, and aligned energy of it. It can be kind of opposite, just depending on on how it is sitting. But um, but so yeah, there there all of them would indicate some sort of trouble, strife, blockage or negativity, right? So I had 100% of them were major arcana, which is massive and huge, no matter what reading you're doing. And 100% of them were reversed, which is massive and huge, no matter what reading you're doing. Right. So by the 10th card, she was like, I don't like, I don't even know what this is, or what you are, or like, what's going on? Or she's like, <laughs> freaking out. And I'm like, wow, I just, it's just like a card game. But I guess it's a really big deal. Like, I didn't know anything about it. Um, but I kind of got like the hook i was like huh that was really weird and interesting and i kind of want to learn like how to do that myself so i went out and i bought the exact same deck which is the deck everyone can see in this background right here i still have it today um it's a different it's a different deck but it's the same type of deck that's a very Uh, cool picture and it actually comes from your website which uh for the people that get this in audio only and don't see the ticker going across the bottom is uh rogueways.org and we will mention that several more times before we're done. Yes. But, Thank uh, you. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, I always, picture, yeah. I always have to tell this story and then clarify why I still do tarot afterwards because <laughs> it's a terrifying story. Um, so I started to go about actually doing readings for people and I did it the same way she did it because that was the only experience of tarot I ever had to go off of. So I always invited a spirit to come guide the reading. And I was like spot on all the time in ways that would freak people out when I was giving them a reading. They're like, how could you know that? How would you know this? Like, how do the cards know this? And so I got sort of a reputation as the tarot reader in our school, in our small town. (laughs) And and there's a lot of stories I could tell with that too. But uh, to stick on this story, as time went on, I again started having poltergeist activity too. I did not connect that in any way to doing tarot readings because uh, I had no reason to. And I also started having uh, sleep paralysis, which I also didn't connect to anything because I had no reason to. And the poltergeist activity for me was, I was always just explaining it away because I'm a very rational person actually. And I'm a very um, skeptical person actually. And I need a lot of evidence and a lot of thought to decide that something is especially abnormal or uh, paranormal, right? And, that's and so basically right, what our brains are trained to do, you know, debunk, debunk. And right. yeah, hey, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. We want to rationalize things away, you know, and uh, right. of course, poltergeist, uh, German for a noisy ghost, but we all know what that means. And that's where uh, some kind of uh, entity is moving things about your house. Mm. Yeah. Throwing things. Yeah. Yeah. So I started having things like pop off tables and land in front of me and fall off walls and like all of this stuff. And the one that finally sort of started to scare me, 
uh, was this flashlight that was plugged into the wall and it was a rechargeable flashlight. But to turn the flashlight on, you had to take it out of the wall. You had to depress a button that wasn't the on button. It's just the button that you have to depress in order to turn the plug in all the way back in. It has to click and latch back into the unit and then you can press the on button and it will work and before that it won't work this is just like how it worked right mm -hmm. so wow. that flashlight at one point just dropped in front of me and turned on and i didn't again really think that much of it i was like things fall whatever but as i picked it up i realized <laughs> that was all the way back inside someone had to have depressed it and clicked it all in one swift movement as it fell which isn't uh, even possible no. <laughs> the physics doesn't seem yeah. to line up but right. yet it happened and you have the experience. So I dropped that and ran out of the house and got in the car and drove away. I was like, that's not real. That can't happen. No, that's messed up. It yeah, it makes an impression, right? So you have these experiences. Your mind can't put, can't put it together. Right. So and I started to at that moment. I was like, wait, a lot of things have been falling. Like a lot of things have been moving in weird ways. And I was like, what if something like a ghost or something is in the house? Like, that's weird. And and then I just probably went and got high and did a tarot reading or something, you know. Um, so I, again, also was having sleep paralysis this whole time. That's also mm -hmm. very scary for anyone who hasn't had it. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah, and I it all came to a, a head and a, you know, um, climax when I was on the computer one night. My dog was beneath me and on the desk and. I was home alone and it was, uh, you know, late evening or nighttime. And I just felt like someone was behind me, you know, and I was like, that's really weird because no one's behind me. And, you know, that feeling, you can't explain it anyway. I don't know why we even get it, you know. So it's already I'm like, well, I'm just tripping. right? It's, there's nothing. But I really felt like someone was behind. I kept feeling that. And I'm like, this is getting weird. Like, why do I keep having this persistent feeling? And I kept looking to see and no one was there. And then I started realizing, like, I felt uneasy and uncomfortable and it was cold. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, I must just be really tripping out. I don't understand. Then my dog gets up from sleep and he stands up and he looks at the exact area where behind me I felt like something staring at me and he starts mm -hmm. growling at it and the hackles oh. on his neck go up and i always have to point out that this dog lots of dogs growl from here and there and time to time and a dangerous thing this dog had never and i'm literally serious that he had never growled in his life once that must have freaked you out so much yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to hear this dog i've known for over a decade growling i was like oh my god and then it was confirmation too like there is something yes. there <laughs> there's something there and it is bad yes. it's not a good thing no no, no. animals are obviously attuned to these things uh, or, or we wouldn't have shows like scooby-doo yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm joking when i say that but you know we, we have we're cat owners and i mean our cats are oh yeah attuned to things that are just not within our five senses or, our, our or, six or whatever we want to say uh to pick up at times Seeing because they just know yeah. Yeah. yeah so they're really, they're really in tune. And yeah, it was terrifying. So I again ran because uh, that's all you know how to do from the paranormal at this point, especially. And I got under my covers. Handbook. Yeah. 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 The Run. covers of the handbook, too, right? If you're under your covers, you're safe. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so I was hiding in my bed and my dog was with me. And um, I don't, 
it couldn't have been that night. So it must have been like the next night or the night after it happened really quickly, at least in succession. Um, and nothing else happened that night. But very soon after, within a day or two, I went, I was sleeping. Um, and I had sleep paralysis again for like the hundred thousandth time. And I had this whole mantra that I had learned from a shamanic woman at a sweat lodge that was totally random story as well, which my whole life is uh, just random synchronicities like this. But she had taught me this, you know, when you're in this, just say a mantra and just, you know, I'm safe, I'm protected, I'm good, and it'll be over soon. And just like, keep telling yourself that until you can move again, and it's over. And that was really helpful. So I was doing that again. And then I realized that I could see everything. And I was like, oh, it's over. I must be awake. And then I realized, no, I still can't move. And I was like, how can I see? And I can't move. My eyes are open. But then I realized I could see in 360 degrees. Wow. Um, in every direction, any direction I wanted to see, I could see just by thinking of it. And I was like, well, that's really weird. Like, what is that? I was like, this is a really detailed dream, I guess. But I had never dreamed while sleep paralysis before. So I didn't understand out-of-body experiences at this time. I didn't understand astral travel. So I had no idea what was going on. But my whole room was in perfect detail. Everything was in real time. And then I realized I could hear um, the TV in the other room. Someone was watching TV and I could hear it. And I was like, oh, this is real life. Like, this is happening right now. And then I felt that same feeling of somebody's watching me or coming or something dreadful is, you know, around me. And mm-hmm. then I see uh, come through my door of black mist, but not mist, like con- concentrated, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fully black light couldn't penetrate it form clearly intelligent because it's moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I realized, Oh God, Like, that's the thing that was behind me the other night. That's the thing my dog growled at. As I'm realizing this, my dog comes to the door and starts whining and scratching in real life. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, something really weird is happening. Like, I can't move. I can see. I can perceive reality. My eyes aren't open, though. And I can see now because in this realm, you can see these things more easily, at least. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, not understanding that really, but starting to understand that something really bad was happening. And um you know, and so I was staring at it and then it, as I was feeling like, oh my God, this is so bad. What am I going to do? This is so bad. It kind of shape shifted and morphed into the form of a small girl child. Oh, there we go. It's stepping into roles. Into roles. Yeah. Yeah. It's something we talk about a lot. Yes. So, and I know that it plucked it straight from my brain because I had an mm. imaginary friend who was a small blonde girl who looked exactly the same. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. wow. Yeah. We, we really need to go. I want you to get through your story, but we need to come back, break down <laughs> yes, a couple of these things because that. they are, uh, they are, they're hot yeah, I have a couple for, of questions as well. For so. us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And so it clearly knew my thoughts and even my past, right. To have plucked that image out. But at the time I wasn't thinking that I was just thinking, Oh, it's actually a little girl. I was like, I've just been scared because I don't know what it is or, you know, and I'm putting together all these poltergeist things are the same thing. And the sleep paralysis is connected. And then this entity. And then I'm like, oh, well, if it's just a little girl ghost, that's not bad. Right. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. Um, right. <laughs> so there's that first kind of attack. I feel like that it is pretending to be this girl. Then the other thing is like an ego conceit that it played off of, of mine. Right. Because in my head, all of a sudden I was like, oh, 
I know this little girl goes, needs to go to heaven and I'm special and I can help her go to heaven. And that's what's going on here. This whole thing has been a huge misunderstanding. Again, you know, because that feels nice to feel like you might be special or to be recognized or whatever. Mm-hmm. whatever. Just sure. to help, you know, your heart. Yeah. Absolutely. We spend a lot of time in our own brains and we're always looking for some mm-hmm. kind of validation of our existence. Sure. Exactly. Especially mm-hmm. when you're a teenager, you really want to feel special and seen. So mm-hmm. it, Again, it's a crafted attack that's intentional and and intelligent. Um, So I'm sitting there saying, oh, this is this young girl. I can help her go to heaven or whatever. And like, this is actually really cool. And something luckily in my mind, very clearly, not my own thoughts, very loudly and clearly said, that's just what it wants you to think. And I was like, oh, like I got like the equivalent of chills in the astral. I knew that was true instantly. And then I thought, well, I'm screwed then because if it's not a little girl ghost and it is this black evil thing, like what is it doing in my room and what does it want? And this is all happening in like microseconds, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, I clearly it heard that voice as well and knew, or at least knew my response to that voice. And uh, so it knew it's time was up. The gig was up. And so it like leapt at me. It was like rushing towards me. It's no longer a little girl. It was just black mist. Missed like again. Missed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And very nefarious too. Very dark. And every <laughs> sense that you could have, which oh. in hand sense was saying this is pure evil. Yeah. Pure and evil. that's crazy that it just went right because towards that, you really fast. That is yeah. the okay. feeling in, in astral that, that when you get an idea that something is not good. Uh, yeah, you, yeah. You know <laughs> it on a lot of levels. Like yes. it, it's more frightening. It's not like going to see a horror movie. It, it, it frightens you in a whole new way. Oh, yeah, because it's existential threat. Like You're like, do I survive this if I don't do this right? Like, um, and it's, uh, I don't know what I was going to say with that, but um, it did leap at me. And I guess I just didn't, <laughs> I had no idea what to do. And so my, um, oh, I was going to say again, we're trained out of trusting our senses, So when you feel like somebody's watching you, you feel like something's bad. Like we have all of these experiences in life where we're pushed through anyway. Oh, no, you just have to do it anyway. Like you just have to trust that teacher and you just have to be in this class and you just have to go to your uncles or whatever it is. Right. And we're like, oh, I guess my senses are wrong then. And I don't need to pay attention to those, too. So there's every reason why these things can have um, successful attacks upon people, even though 100 percent of us are aware we all of us would feel that and go, oh, that's not good. <laughs> you know, it's not a special right. person that can feel that. It's 100% of people can feel it if they're still attuned to that and mm. trusting it. Um, but anyways, it's hitting, you know, it's about to hit me. And I just do the only thing I can think of doing, which is saying, dear God, help me. And I had never really prayed since I had become a young teenage pseudo adult, right? So <laughs> when I was little, we had church and I had had that, but I hadn't for years. In fact, I had believed God was not real and that love didn't exist and all these dark things because of my trauma and, all, you know, my da- dad dying and all this stuff. So it was the first time I had called on God probably in my whole life. Uh, and I just said, dear God, help me. And literally a shield appeared in front of me. It was like around me, I guess, all the way around me, I'm sure. But I just saw it form in front of me in a nanosecond it was like a silvery clear shield and that thing it formed right in time because it formed and that thing smacked into it like it wasn't expecting to be stopped uh when it smacked into it uh when it realized that it had been stopped 
there was a sound that I could perceive that was not happening in the real world, like the TV, um, mm -hmm. but was happening in this astral realm. And I could see the difference and uh, or hear the difference. And uh, it, it sounded like everything negative and evil that you could think of all combined into one crazy cacophony like i always say it's like scrunching metal and like explosions and like screaming people and lightning like all of it like at one time as a scream coming from it wow that, that was maybe the scariest part actually because i was like because it was happening like this close you know like right in front of my yeah. face right sure. uh and then I just kept saying, God, help me, God, help me, God, help me. Cause I was like, what if the shield disappears? I just have to keep saying this and like my mantras, you know? And, and, uh, I finally could wiggle a finger and I could finally wake up and get up. And I ran from the room and my dog was like, so happy to see me wow. alive. <laughs> and <laughs> I ran into my mom's bed this time and got under her covers with her. And she was so tired. She just like, didn't even notice, <laughs> but I just cowered there the rest of the night you know, thinking, well, I've gone insane, like completely insane. Because yeah. uh, this is can't happen. Like, this isn't a real thing. This is movie stuff. Like, I clearly right. don't, don't have touch with reality anymore. And, um, you know, but I had those few things of confirmation, like that I could hear the TV and that my dog growled and like that my dog was whining at the door. So it bothered me. But I was like, No, I'm insane. I've gone completely insane. Uh, so I went to school the next morning. After a night of just dreadful images filling my head, because I think this thing couldn't get in me or do whatever it wanted to do to me, but it could still like project a lot of horrifying negativity into my mind, my mm -hmm. imagination. And so um, scenes that I would never even have had access to. There's no movie that even has as disgusting filth as I was seeing. So again, I'm like, well, I'm crazy. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so at school the next day, I walked in, and I always uh, point out, um, even though some people think my drug use might detract from my story and my believability, I always point out that I had done a lot of drugs at this point, um, and so I'd shown up to school on a lot of drugs and hung over from a lot of drugs, and after three day benders of, from a lot of drugs, and still um, no one had ever treated me like they did that morning. After all of that, like they'd seen me in the worst states possible and mm -hmm. i walked in that morning and people would look at me and go oh my god what's wrong with you like did your dog die did someone die and i'm like yeah, no yes. nothing happened like nothing's wrong with me and then the next person i'd see go, whoa what's wrong with you are you okay i'm like yes i'm okay like why is everyone doing this and then by the yeah. time the third or fourth person did that i was like i can't do this all day like something's clearly like around me or on me or in me or like i'm possessed i don't know what's happening i'm freaking out but sure. now i have all this confirmation because now all these people having no idea what happened to me last night are asking me like what's wrong with me they can see it and they can feel it right so that really freaked me out too and finally i was like i can't pretend this isn't happening anymore like i'm not crazy something is happening and so the only people i knew who uh, um you know understood or had ever even talked about anything that would be remotely like this was my very 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 fundamentalist christian friends parents and they uh, had talked about demons and all these things. And they're the only people I'd ever heard talk about those things as though they're real, you know, and not just some Probably superstition. The first people you want to talk to when you're high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I called them on the payphone outside the school and I asked them if I could come over and 
Um, so I guess I was 16 by this point, at least, because mm-hmm. uh, I could drive. And so um, they said, yeah, come right over. <laughs> like they were expecting me, like they had been waiting for a long time for me to oh, wow. break down, I think. <laughs> so right. I drove over there and I um, I, got, I told them the story and, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're under demonic attack. Just like, like, that's just a normal thing that happens in their world. <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah. Like, we're out of milk or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's totally plain. I'm like, okay, well, if that's true, like, what do I do about it? And they're like, oh, it's really easy, actually. You just invite Jesus into your heart. I'm like, okay, when? How? Where do we do this? Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> yeah. They're like, they're like, do it. You yeah, just... What happens? How does that work? <laughs> They're like, yeah, you just just say this prayer, just copy it. We'll just follow after us and we'll say it with you. And I'm like, okay. So like, I'll do anything at this point. So um, I say this prayer. It's very simple. It's something like, Jesus, please come into my heart and my life. Uh, Something like that, at least. And as I'm saying the words, just from head to toe, complete relaxation and goodness and peace just Mm -hmm. filled me. And I was like, wow. Like I had no idea how crappy things had been (laughs) before I said this prayer, you know, like you realize like how dark it was and what was going on in my mind and my mood and my emotion. And all of this was being manipulated by this energy or this entity. And then I had this peace finally, you know, not just after that night, that night was horrible. Like the past 12 hours or whatever before then had been the worst of it. But for how many months actually they had been building and I didn't realize how dark and how bad it was and how much it affected me until that moment. I was wow. amazed because I was not a Christian and I am still not what people would technically call a Christian. Um, but very clearly Jesus's name and Jesus's power, whatever that is, is super effective. Wow. Now, do you think um, part of that was just the power of saying saying no? Because there there is some power in this, and it's, mm-hmm. at least in our experience, um, there is something to say it, to saying you must leave, just leave our house without it, without a lot of dogma attached or uh, archangels or whatever. Although that's a whole other thing, and mm-hmm. you know whatever motivates you, but to tell something to go away sometimes does seem to be almost like a higher law and they almost have to obey that yes leave. they absolutely have to obey that and they're really good at tricking people into believing that they don't have to obey that in many ways <laughs> and then people's belief that they don't have to will like often let them back in so it gets tricky um mm. but it is absolutely true that you have a free will and they don't uh and so uh you can tell them to leave and that that is a huge power and another aspect of it is just this concept. I don't know if you're familiar with Rupert Sheldrake's uh, idea of morphogenetic fields. Um, no, 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 no. Please do, do tell. It's um, it's just this concept that you know every time you have a thought or uh, even a, an action or a feeling, you're creating right. Their energy is coming out from you in any of those things. Uh, uh, yes, mm-hmm. and it's all a vibration, and it's all you know, cymatics yes. and frequency, right? So. Mm. Every time you say, uh, let's, this is why people have logos and brands too. Every time you see Pepsi, you have an emotional response. You think of it, you visualize it, you give it all this attention. Now Pepsi's even stronger. Um, well, Jesus is thousands of years old. And how many people have put their thoughts and their feelings and their genuine emotion and mm. all of this energy into the 
energy that we call Jesus, and it's mm-hmm. super good and pure. It's all really good and pure <laughs> and stuff. Advertising, right? Like, I mean, we're talking. You talk mentioned Pepsi or having a Coca Cola sign on your wall. You might have a crucifix on your wall, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Especially, but, I'm sorry, when you go, go to ahead. church, and everybody's doing that. Everybody's energy is mm. all together, and that makes it even more powerful. Yeah. Yes, the group for sure. So yes. the group icons and all of this. And it's, again, really genuine emotion. And people will cry and joy for Jesus. Like there's like a lot. And this is for thousands of years. So it can be any energy or entity has the same quality, right? Um, so if it's Buddha or if it's, you know, Guan Yin or like any of these entities from all around the world, they have the same. They have all these people and all this time they've been put, putting in this energy and this emotion and this thought into that quality and that energy. And so if it's a protective, powerful, beautiful, pure energy, uh, you can use that like armor. Um, shield, I, force field, like you were saying, the shield. Yes, exactly. God is another, right? And it could be, it could be that Jesus and Buddha and all these things are actually real too, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying at the very least, I understand the concept of the morphogenetic field and that that is the minimum of what's happening when these things actually are very effective. Yeah, I agree. And um, really, I think any kind of religious icon can exist if people think about it, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I mean, we're true believers in that thoughts or energy. And uh, actually that energy <laughs> may be the very thing that attracts... Attracts these other entities to us. Yeah. I, my understanding at this point is that, um, you know, again, since I was a child, I had this strong connection to whatever you want to call source or, you know, um, understandings that seem Mm -hmm. beyond physical material acceptability and, and, uh, and other skills too, that you might call empathic or psychic. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, my, having seen now what that looks like in like a, a psychic sort of or ceremonial sort of space um, or a shamanic sort of space, it's like a bright burning flame amidst a really dark sea of minor flickers. (laughs) So the entities that can feed off of our energies and thoughts and emotions and all of this, they like really like me because I'm a really good food source. And seems to be like yeah. almost the language of a spirit communication in so many ways. I mean, symbiology and and emotions and stuff seems to be a, a lot of the ways that they actually communicate as an as opposed to, say, you know, um, hi, I I'm coming to possess you. Right. You're going to get this feeling of like dread or something or mm-hmm. uh, you're feeling suffocated or something like that. Especially- and you talk about like say old hag syndrome right yeah or the old hag and i actually had this experience of meeting the old hag before i knew that existed and Mm. it was terrifying you know and i couldn't get away from it and the sleep paralysis uh can play a role my daughter experiences sleep paralysis often she's uh 22 and you know she's dealing with this and she has some astral experiences um i know i felt it i know what you mean and you just feel helpless and you cannot move and Mm -hmm. um you're just stuck and Everything in you that sees, you know, the quote unquote entity thinks it, it is the darkest thing in the world. Yeah. And it's frightening. It's terrifying. Like you said, it has an ego and terrifying, ego. right? It it's not the kind of thing of like uh human to human contact where Mm-mm. I don't know, you're frightened by somebody for whatever reason. 
it's terrifying on a spiritual level. Yes. You can yes. feel it, especially being empathic. Empaths like really, they absorb it even more. So this happens to you, but it, it goes on after you've woken up. So I think for most people, you, you might have this, the, the night terror, the, ex, the experience of um, some kind of dark entity. And like, I can remember having childhood experiences where it could just be this red light I saw in the hallway outside of my bedroom that didn't exist, but I, I knew what it was and it would just scare the crap out of me. Mm. I'd snap back into my body and that was it. Like I was, I was going good. Yeah. But back in the body, the yeah. you know, red light's gone. I, I'm no longer having any issues on the astral plane. But at the time, it seemed frightening. But for you, this continued to go on. You needed help. You you talked to some religious folk. You you talked told it to go away, and somehow and this this empowered you to actually make something leave in real time in our 3D physical meat bag existence. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I and did, did it go away like permanently or did it come back? No, 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 no. Yeah, no, it my feeling of my inner body, my inner experience was was peaceful and I had Jesus within me. <laughs> so that was good. But uh, the entity was still around and they even explained to me, you know, you you have to go home now and you have to clear your house and you have to do it by yourself for some reason. I'm like, oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> um uh, and you know, do it, do it like this. And the way they explained it to me, I, I did that. But year, years later, when I'm learning, you know, shamanic practices and different things, I'm like, this is exactly the same as their Christian idea of how to do all of these traditions around the world. In fact, every single tradition I've looked at has the exact same basic principles involved mm -hmm. in the banishment of an entity um, or the invitation of a positive ally and entity. So it's really interesting that even Christianity, which we often poo poo and you know, think is really, I don't know, outdated or like old or just mm -hmm. control or whatever we often sometimes can think about Christianity. They've got the same mystic components as every other, um, you know. Well, they sure do. Oh, yes. They have a yeah. whole system of sorcery. Yeah. Sorcery. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's what, you know, you believe in. And I think that belief contributes to the Yes. Effect. That's mm -hmm. the thing. If you really believe that and you know it, then it's true. So, uh, so I did banish this entity. Uh, I went home and I followed the steps and I did this. And um, the last step was to burn the tarot cards because that was its physical portal sort of attachment right. that I had invited it through, right? Close the door, yes. Close the door. <laughs> so I went out to burn these and I never had had like a harder time burning anything in my life. The wind picked up very strongly and... Um, it wasn't just that the wind picked up strongly and like sticks were flying and they all seemed to be flying right at me and like pine cones and things. And oh, wow. like, that was really scary. But then I realized partway through as I'm like trying to burn these tarot cards in the wind that uh, none of the other trees in the other properties nearby were blowing at all. But the trees on my property were like shaking and like throwing themselves around. So I'm like, yeah, like this no. thing really doesn't want me to do this. <laughs> um, and I could feel it like hovering around me and trying to stop me. And it was just really, really intense, actually. That was maybe the most terrifying because I think there's something scary in about uh, claiming your power as well, you know, and like mm. it's like a responsibility you don't necessarily want to take because you're like, well, now for the rest of my life, I have to acknowledge that these exactly. things happen and that I have to do something about it. Um and that, I don't know, there's something in that that was almost hard, too, on, like, an internal struggle level. But I did it, and I burned those cards, and 
and it was gone. I didn't have any more poltergeist. I didn't have any more sleep paralysis ever again. I've never had sleep paralysis again. Um, wow. I, amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's and other uh, entities have come to mess with me from time to time. And even scarier things than this have actually happened to me way after this. Scarier but, than that, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but I I have understood now, wow. too, that each each step I sort of take on this path has brought me more into learning um, about spiritual work and about myself as a spiritual being and about the powers that we do have and um, and how to help others through this as well. So now that's, you know, part of what I do as a uh, spiritual teacher and mystic uh, healer and practitioner is I help people detach and, you know, get these things off of and away from them uh, and also learn how to protect themselves and, and become more spiritually present as well. Uh, so the even the scarier things have been good learning experiences, I guess. <laughs> right, it, right. Okay, true, so um, you have the astral experience. Is this something you still advocate now? Do you encourage people to astral travel and have journeys that way? I don't encourage people to do anything because I know how dangerous all of it is. So I tell people, if you're going to do this, do it. And it's awesome. And you can do it safely and, and, and well. Um but don't do it just like, don't go just dabbling because you don't know what you're going to pick up. You don't know what you're going to invite. If you don't know like kind of the rules and how it works and you haven't really thought about it and decided like that's what you're willing to sort of jump into and risk, don't mm -hmm. do it. Yeah, uh, you mentioned spirit walking as well. Now, is spirit walking the same thing as an astral projection to you or there's some kind of difference there? Um, I know I have I have a. Uh, it might be more akin to like really deep meditative states for people as far as, you know, helping people understand what it is. And I call it ceremonial space. Uh, and I just go into that usually in service of other people. Um, and so in that space, you encounter spirits, <laughs> only spirits. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's a little different because there's no hard and fast sort of reality. Look, you know, like when you're astral traveling, everything's exactly like this, but different but the same, <laughs> right? Um, right, right. It's hard to explain. It's a little yeah. deeper level of it, yes. right? And you can um, you can see entities and experience them there too, like we saw in the experience I had, um, but it's just a different, it's a different way of doing it. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's very interesting. And the idea of astral projection, or not the idea of it, but the, the reality of it um, has existed for for centuries, he goes through different cultures. Uh, the ancient Egyptians uh, called the soul Ba, and there, I had a, a picture I wanted to share, um, a hieroglyph of showing the soul above the body in the ancient Egyptians. But uh, thank you, my, my software is not showing it. But it has existed through Chinese cultures. It's existed mm -hmm. uh, through cultures around the world. People experience these things. Yes. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have had lucid dreams and uh, or intentionally astral projected or spirit walked. And I, I know that for a fact for some of them out there. Mm -hmm. um, yes. What do you, where do you, where do you stand on this? Is something that people should practice? You just warned them. Uh, silver cord. Does, does that play a role in, in your reality? I've never had the silver cord. I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> so I'm going to go with you at that, but almost like every book in astral projection talks about that silver cord and boy, yeah. don't cut that cord, boy. You're good. You're, that's it. That's you're it. Dead. Right. You're dead. When, like, when you're are dead, we dead then? So. <laughs> I have to right. see the damn thing. And, um, yeah, I, I had a lot of experience, especially in middle school uh, with astral projection. I, I had a cassette tape. I'm going to date myself here. of so, uh, Self-hypnosis 
uh, guided meditation. And I, I used this thing relentlessly and had lots of experiences and, and still do occasionally. But it seemed easier then for some reason. Yes. I don't, I don't know why that is. It is much easier. Yeah, than... that because uh, your experience was pretty early too. Yeah, um, and I, I, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have attributed the reason why that age, especially because I was also middle school and, and early high school when these things were were sort of peaking for me, um, to our um, hormonal development. You know, we have yeah. a lot of energy just like flooding us all the time, and so we have a lot we can do with that. And it sucks because if we were trained, if we had a culture that acknowledged these things, like so many cultures still do, uh, then we maybe could have done really cool, amazing healing things for ourselves and other people with all of that. But instead, we were just food sources for negative entities because we had no idea what was going on and how to protect ourselves. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why I, I caution people. It's not to scare them. I think everybody should do this if they want to, but I think they should do it knowingly again of the risks. And then also knowing that really that, uh, your belief is maybe beyond and deeper than your thoughts. So you can tell yourself, Oh, I think that this is true. But what you actually believe is what's going to manifest for you. So if you don't believe you can protect yourself and you don't believe you have the power to kick something out, you're, it's going to be a lot harder for you. You're screwed. Yeah. So and, and this is also why people with a lot of unhealed trauma shouldn't probably mess around with a lot of these things until they've healed their trauma, because your trauma is a core sort of mm-hmm. uh belief ish, you know, it's like a construct that's deep inside of you. And uh, you don't really have control over it if it's unhealed. And that's a trigger for you. And all these entities know that and they know your traumas and your triggers. Uh, And so they know how to put you in situations that will make you feel helpless and vulnerable. And your feeling of helplessness and vulnerability is dangerous in those types of places. So Mm. I just you know, I I suggest if people are going to try things like this, that they be already pretty at peace with themselves and already pretty healed um, and knowing their power and accepting their power as a responsibility that they have. Um, and having said all of that, uh, I always know that we're surrounded by way more positive energies and entities which I call allies. Our allies are all around us all the time. And there's way more of them than there are any of these dark things trying to mess with us or anything. So if you are ever in a jam and you want to, you can call in Jesus or whatever ally you believe in. And it's right there with you. You know, no, no, it's never going to not be there if you call. You're right. I was going to ask you, because there's like a warfare going on. It's like, um, spiritual, spiritual warfare. Yeah. Between the dark and the light. Yes. And I'm glad. Do you believe in that, that that there is this battle between good and evil that that is ongoing? I know there is (laughs) because I had the these dark entities attack me frequently, and I have met and experienced working with angels and other entities of the light that are there to fight back against them. Um, And so, in my experience, that's just fact. (laughs) There just is a battle going on. But what it I don't believe that it's how we perceive battles necessarily. I don't think it's like Mm -hmm. God, God is angels and Satan, God is devils. And they're just like fighting and clashing all the time. It's this internal struggle over the human soul. Um, And so when you look at it that way, it's really an internal war that's always going on. I I find that fascinating. Now we've had guests that told us that they fight with like literal swords 
and this kind of thing. And we have a question on the audience I want to bring up because this is them. a whole whole other way to look at this. Is uh, this Joey Mad Dog? I, I'm sure that's your real name, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi to Mrs. Mad Dog for us. Uh, sounds alternative shadow t- shadow self. And you mentioned a couple comments about the shadow self. And we talked about yeah, uh, Jungian theory about a person in their shadow, which kind of is this light and dark. And I would yes. take it to like a psychological perspective. But yet we see in our astral selves the reality of it, what is dark, what is light, this sort of thing. How much of it do you think is is purely mental and just part of the human condition? In one way, all of it. And in another way, none of it. So I just look at it like this. You know, people say often, oh, that was just you and that was your own dark, like whatever. And you're projecting it and you have to battle it and come to peace with it and heal it. Well, you do have to do all those things and you do have a shadow and it's definitely a hundred percent of your traumas and your un, un, unexplored um, wounds that are within your soul and your emotional and mental bodies. Those mm-hmm. are all portals. Those are all doorways that are wide open for darkness to come through. So you are creating this and it is of you and you are responsible for healing it and closing all those doors. And that's the primary goal of any human, I would say, is to heal exactly those things. But I just look at it this way, too. So technically, if we want to get really woo with it, we can say, well, all of life is us and all things are us. And all of this is just us meeting us and talking to us and like over and over Mm -hmm. again in different ways. Mm -hmm. But I still would shoot someone who was running towards me with a gun. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So I don't care what that shadow being is, really. I'm still going to protect myself against it. And so I have a I have a problem with people who take that i don't have a problem with the people i have a problem with the idea that you should like rush into the shadow and embrace it i think a lot of damage and danger is there uh for misunderstanding what these things are and what they can do to you absolutely yeah but it is an interesting concept to look at that as a whole and say all right is spiritual warfare really just in my head and me battling my shadow self and i'm actually projecting or creating well here's that are attacking me here's how that is true because if 100 percent of human souls were healed there would be no war there would be no darkness and there would be no battle so it is true that it is just us creating this and projecting it but that doesn't mean again that it's not real or that it's not something that you protect yourself against again just like you would if somebody was rushing at you with a sword (laughs) exactly or traumatic right (laughs) so yeah that's interesting because the human condition you know we spend all this time in our heads we don't always understand even no matter how good we might be at telepathy or these other kind of contact modalities or whatever they are you're still in your mind and there's still some like missing piece you know and then we need other humans to put together those missing pieces to more fully understand ourselves yeah so yes. you know we're all kind of like pieces of a puzzle in a way <laughs> yeah so, that is true and i also that whole idea of our internal wounds and our internal traumas and these being sort of doorways and, you know, access points for, or at least creation points for negativity in our lives and in our world is, and, you know, a lot of people don't realize that if they're doing things like tarot or like um, pendulums or, you know, these different sort of divination methods, yeah, any of these things that if you have that, it is blocking whatever's coming through and or influencing the energetic quality of whatever's coming through. So people will say things like, well, I use my pendulum and it tells me this. And why isn't that actually real? Why isn't that actually what's happening? It's like, well, 
if you're using this, for example, um, I had someone tell me, you know, my pendulum told me that this person is my soulmate. And so I'm literally going to, against their will, show up at their house and like profess my love. And I'm like, whoa, 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 no. Whoa, right? <laughs> against their will. Like they don't want you to come. They're not in love with you. <laughs> but my pendulum told me they're my soulmate. I'm like, yeah, but that's your dark internal struggle coming through this pendulum and you're telling yourself that that's your soulmate because you really want it to be your soulmate so the level you can't have very good objectivity if you have a lot of internal struggle and wounds and trauma and that most people do have those Um, and I think that's part of why people say things like well why can't I do this why can't I do that I'm like well you can you may have a lot of work to do (laughs) before it's really clear and really pure yeah yeah, I, it's almost a way to, I'm sorry, Kristen, to define your subconscious because, you know, they want this on such a deep level. It, it is their subconscious moving the pendulum yes. and through neuromuscular ways. There's a term for that, but I, I, I can't think of it right now. But you have that thing laying across your finger and you have the most tiniest of muscles that some part of you is moving it no matter how still you think your hand is dowsing rods same thing. you know and the same thing yes. dowsing rods and a lot of divination you know and your interpretations of things can can go that way so that that's a great point but you could mm-hmm. it's within you and you're not necessarily correct about their lives you could be the last thing they want pendulum <laughs> <laughs> said no, I don't give a rat's ass about your pendulum I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. you can leave now you know that yes. kind of thing I, I wanted to ask you, um, I don't know if you want to say this or not, um, answer it, but being under the influence, do you feel that it was opening better or worse? How do you feel about that when somebody's yes. under the influence? A hundred percent being high or drunk in any way is a portal for these things to come through, especially yeah. for the people who are not aware of that. <laughs> which is most people so, is a, a terrible uh, yeah way to introduce yourself to the spirit world yeah and, and boy they will walk through that door but yeah they will other, other drugs maybe give you more insight now we're not anti-drug or no. drinking or anything here we're very open this open show so yes um well it's just our- like you can look at it the same as um astral projection and astral travel right if you're going into astral travel somehow with a lot of you know warped energy and like unclear things like weird stuff's gonna happen to you and weird things are gonna be attracted to you but if you're going in with pure and clear and you know what you're doing and why you're doing it and all of this it's gonna be a lot different right and it's the same with being high or drunk or whatever in you know real life too uh if you're if you're a very intelligent person who's clear and you understand and you want to use this drug for a purpose and you set out with that intention uh, and you're going to like go deep or heal some things with it there's a lot Mm -hmm. of plant medicines and things that help people with that and there's a lot of shamanic tools that are used in that way as well but um but most people are doing it unconsciously most people are doing it to like they want to get away from themselves right like so you have that intention. I want to get away with my, from myself and I'm going to get high and open this portal. Something else is like, okay, you can get away yeah. from yourself. I'll come through. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's but, talk about some of those plant medicines a yeah. little bit and the mushrooms. shamanic experience of like peyote and, and mushrooms and ayahuasca. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not sure if you, you know, comfortable no. talking about yeah. experiences with them, but we're open to it. And uh, I'd like to hear what you yeah. have to say. Yeah, I think. 
almost anything can be used in a spiritual purpose or a positive purpose, right? So everything is like a neutral tool. So you have even cocaine could be used for surgeries and different things, right? There's always something positive to any one of these drugs. Uh, and then there's also the side that it can be abused and misused and, and whatever. And so, um, you know, acid is the same and mushrooms are the same and uh, peyote is the same. And it's about set and setting, of course, as we've heard our gurus tell us so often. Um, but it's also about, again, like the intention and the dosage amounts as well. And mm -hmm. um, and the respect you come with, um, too, because I think it's uh, if you come with this like, oh, yeah, I can do, I can do so many mushrooms and eat so many. And I'm going to like go on this total trip and like find the spirit of the universe or something. It's like yeah. the mushrooms will be like, smack you down. Like take a little <laughs> ego trip there. Like have a break. Yeah, you're going to have a really bad trip. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's a bit of all of that going on. But um, I don't use anything. I don't even drink coffee right now because I the further I've gone, the more sensitive I've become. Um, you know, because I've worked on opening my spiritual channels and being, you know, again, intentionally in alignment with this and an intentionally a channel for this. And so when you're doing that and then you try to maybe like drink a couple beers, like it's way worse what will come through uh, if you're not, again, very, very careful. And I get sick of being very, very careful. There's no fun in it anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't even use marijuana anymore. And again, I say that but I would use those things. I would especially use like marijuana or um, psilocybin or various entheogens if I needed to do so for a spiritual purpose, for spiritual work I was doing. And it was somehow needed to have that sort of extra boost and deeper connection. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't mm -hmm. find so far that I've ever needed that. So um, I also know that those things can be, again, used super therapeutically and very well for healing your emotional and mental traumas and breakages so you know if you know mm -hmm. how to do that you go in with that intention and that can be this really nice almost shortcut through years and years of therapy or you know whatever else you might have had to do to to heal some of those things so sure. they're it's, beautiful gifts shadow very very true put some things to rest that you know maybe look at it from a different perspective i mean they've been doing that for thousands of years thousands right. of years so right yeah right. yeah i do think you can Healing. invite spirit and invite I, you know i haven't done dmt before but an awful lot of people are saying this seeing the same entities um under that experience yeah i haven't either um i actually went because i have a feeling you know for me at least i have to be invited to it i don't want to seek it out myself and if i'm invited to it in a way that i can tell is my soul's synchronicity uh drawing me towards it then i'm open to doing it and i've i've told you know all my spiritual allies and myself that and so i went to ecuador actually to see i don't know maybe it'll happen while i'm here i'm not gonna again go seeking it but i'm gonna be around i'm gonna be in the jungle i'm mm -hmm. gonna be on you know the, sure. on the river and we'll see what happens and no in fact everything <laughs> aligned to push me away from that so um so I'm was not that ayahuasca was that where you're going yeah yeah if i if, if it all aligned <laughs> that way yeah, yeah. So, so that it, was a good thing though that you knew you know you just it, maybe it was it. not the right time right, right. that experience i might never need that experience because i <laughs> from what people describe i'm like done that been there like i don't know yeah <laughs> so i again though i'm not closed off to it like i'm open to the possibility circling back to the spirit att attachment there are a, a good deal of people that 
in dedicate their lives to the removal of these spirits. Yes. And uh, this is a very real thing to you. I mean, yes. people like uh, Edith Fior with her book, The Unquiet Dead, um, Dr. Terrence Palmer's work in recent oh, years, yeah. very interesting uh, individual. I've, I've had yes. the pleasure of messaging back and forth about that. And um, of course, people like uh, Carl and Anna Wicklin from the Spitches movement, uh, where Carl was uh, chief uh, psych psychiatrist at, um, oh, I forget the exact name of the place, but it was Chicago Institute of Mental Health. Or it was like basically a sanitarium, the biggest sanitarium in Chicago back in like the early 1900s. And uh, they would go and uh, you had a medium, you had them, they would talk through removing the spirit as being a cause of psychiatric issues and apparently had very good results. He, he wrote a book, I think, in 1924 called uh, 30 Years Among the Dead. Um, what do you think of that? What do you, you, you had this problem, you, you willed it away, it went away. Do you think a lot of schizophrenia or mental illness in today's world is caused by spiritual attachments? Absolutely. Um, I'm not familiar with any of the people you listed, but <laughs> in my own experience, um, I can yeah, uh, see, especially, so I, I can see people's auras, but I can also see, therefore, when they have an attachment, because um, the human aura is, in my in my view, the way I see auras, I have never seen a human aura that has um, black in it, unless there's an attachment. So if I look at someone and they have black in their aura, then I know that they have an attachment, and those people are almost always turn out to be schizophrenic or deeply unwell in other ways. Um, and I've had someone on my show uh, on Rogueways named Jerry Marzinski, who you might want to have on your show, too. He's really amazing. And he's super open to doing interviews. And he was also in the psychiatric um, industry, I guess, <laughs> and treating a lot of psychiatric patients. Um, and he has some amazing stories that uh, just prove without a doubt that these things are paranormal and that they're malevolent and that um if if you can get them detached and to go away uh the psychiatric problems uh release and 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 end but i i always have the little holdout again i'm a skeptic and i'm super rational actually and so the i have like this little bit that i'm like well maybe there's also just sort of physical uh material causes for some of these things um Especially we see like in psychopathy that there's often a frontal lobe damage that happens. And so I, I can accept that that's also happening. I just, from my experience, um, personally, especially with auras and understanding how to sense these things, that that is what causes, I want to say, 97% of what we call mental illness, depression, and anxiety. Wow. Interesting. 97%. Goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a little your, bold in that statement, but that's that's what I experienced. In your experience with uh, viewing auras, uh, how do you feel about things like curly and uh, photography or um, pictures? Auras look nothing like they look in curly and photography to me, and they look nothing like what the it's not curly and photography they do at like those aura booths, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm hmm. Those also look nothing like what I see. If I look at the picture that came out uh, for the person and I'm watching their aura as they're taking it, like the, it doesn't look anything the same. But I also know that I've talked to other people who see auras and we don't even say the, the same things. We have the same conclusions we come to based on what we see, but we're mm. not seeing the same thing. So it tells me that it, it is not, again, a physical manifestation and therefore you're seeing it through 
whatever you want to call your third eye or your imaginatory perception. And so that's your lens, right? As objective as you can get, mm -hmm. it's still your lens. So what does the color red mean to me? It might mean something totally different to you. So when I see red, I know what it means, but you might see it as green because that's the color that means that for you. Um, right, right, right. It's like talking about chakra colors and that kind of thing. Yeah. Now come to learn. I mean, it's the established what they are and it's in every book, but you don't have to use it that way. I, I've worked with groups where we will talk about a certain chakra, say, you know, the crown chakra, if you want to read someone and they determine what color it is. And we all focus on that color and, and it works. Yeah. You know, and then you, you get the insight. It didn't necessarily follow what the, the manual said, if you will. Well, and different systems have different chakra systems. There's the system that I practice most frequently with is a five chakra system, and the colors are nothing like that seven chakra rainbow system that most people are more familiar with. Um, mm -hmm. And who knows how many more there are. You know, different ancient traditions have different different mm -hmm. views and different reasons for attributing different colors to different spaces in your body. Absolutely. Now, you do uh, tarot, tarot readings for people. Yes, as, it, as weird as that might seem to people after that story, I do. <laughs> Somehow you came back to it. Yeah, you well, said, you know what you're okay, doing now. You're yeah. We're gonna do do this again and uh, do it for other people, but um, I, I think that's wonderful. And I actually like those tools. I like tools of divination, and I think yeah. all these uh, things. You know, if you're a paranormal investigator and you have a recorder, uh, you can call it what it is. It's necromancy and. Uh, you know, from medieval times, it's opening portals. You, you're, if you're asking spirit to speak into a box of any kind, yep. you're doing the same thing as playing with a Ouija board. So don't don't hate on the Ouija board. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> tell us about your tarot readings. And yeah, I actually was uh, called back to tarot, and as much as I wanted to resist it because I was scared i understood and i had learned so much by then <laughs> that i understood how to protect myself and that i could just like i could use it as a portal for darkness i could use it as a portal for light or whatever you want to call the good stuff in the universe right and so um i did pick it back up again i picked up the exact same deck like i said i've only ever used one deck and it's this handle deck uh, that wow. you can see if you're watching um and so i for how many decades have been doing readings with this deck and I, I love it. And I, I see how much it can help people transform themselves and uplift themselves and heal themselves. And that makes it a beautiful tool for me. And I'm really grateful to be able to do that with people. Sweet. That's excellent. And uh, where should they go to, to get those tower readings? <laughs> Not that we're yeah. wrapping things up. You have no, more to talk mean. about, but. Yeah. I just want well, to make sure people if here. If you want any of my services, which includes tarot readings and um, ceremonial work and healings and blessings and all kinds of stuff, you could go to rogueways.org. Excellent. Sorry, I was just looking for something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do have some tarot cards. I have the uh, Alistair Curley cards, the OTO oh, yeah. cards are up there on the shelf somewhere. May I ask you a question? You said, um, Jerry, what's his last name? Lewinsky? <laughs> Marzinski. Marzinski. Thank you. Super, super cool guy. Great guest and really, really amazing story. We'll watch him. Yeah, we'll watch you guys. Oh, we'll look out. For awesome. Him. Yeah. For him. Thank you. Um, yeah. I, and what do you recommend where people should uh, start out if they're interested in this mm -hmm. stuff, if they're interested in divination, they're interested in straightening out their lives? They've tried other things. 
they need some kind of other outside help. What do you recommend they do? I think you should always trust your instincts. So I had the best advice ever given to me a long time ago by my first shamanic teacher who said to me, choose your choose your teacher based on where they're at and what their life is like. If you look at them and you say, yeah, I want to live that life exactly as you're living it, or I would be happy to if that's what happened to me, then mm -hmm. that's probably a good teacher, right? And I'd say the same for choosing a healer. So I do healing millions of other people do healings, all kinds of practitioners, all kinds of traditions, all kinds of ways of doing it. None is better than the other. And what it really comes down to is who do you who are you drawn to? And who do you look at and say, Yeah, I like that person. I like their attitude. I like where they've come to in their life. Like, you know, I would not choose, for example, a doctor uh, who maybe was suffering from like, lung disease and cancer. So I say like, mm, you might not know medicine that well, if this is like where you're at. And it's right. the same with your spiritual healers and teachers. You know, if you look at them and you like their energy and you like where they're at, then that's probably a good person to trust and go with. Um, you know, so yeah, if, if that is how you feel, have or having talked or listened to me, then I'm happy to help you and you can reach out. And like I said, there's so many people who do various modalities of healing work and energy work and spiritual work and guidance um not a lot of people do dark entity detachment <laughs> like i do no, no, like they i are do out there uh, uh, yeah, it's called srt spirit rescue therapy there are mm -hmm. spirit rescue mediums out there um there is kind of a, a growing thing but it's been around for a long time yes um it's just it's as ancient also, as Past any of our other hypnosis, yes, which um, brings me to a question in our audience. Our friend Robert Honing asks, well, he, or mentions that I am currently working on assessing my Akashic records of past lives. Thoughts on reincarnation or hypnotherapy? Yeah, I um, have had spontaneous recall of I think, I think it's five now. It might be more past lives. Um, so I know for me that exists when I do a ceremony for people, oftentimes their past lives come up and we do work with that. Um, and, you know, and sometimes it's uh, also and or a, more like a soul retrieval is what most people might call it. Um, and so I know I know that that exists. If if you're asking how you access that, I'll say that I don't. I don't believe it's great to go to somebody and ask them to go find your past life for you unless you're doing it as a healing modality. When you're, a lot of people will tell you all kinds of things like, oh, in your past life, you were blah, blah, blah. And it's always very happy and shiny and good. And that's neat. And maybe that's true even. But what does it really matter to you? Did you experience it? Did you recall it? And if not, who cares? It's just somebody saying something to you. Then it could be true. It could be not true. I have no idea. But when you experience it yourself, the reason for it, uh, in my experience, again, all five times or more <laughs> that I've recalled the past life, it has been exceptionally and profoundly traumatic, very negative experiences. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that. And it's because at those points in my life, I was at a place just like when you're doing like a cleanse for your body. If you're doing like a juice cleanse or something, you have these old physical traumas that come up to be healed. And you're mm -hmm. like, oh, my elbow really hurts. Oh, that's because I hit it on the thing when I was 12 or whatever. You know, these old wounds come up to be healed. And the same thing happens in our spiritual progression and in our emotional and mental progression. When we get to places where we're like, 
okay, I finally have this space. It's not conscious, right? But when we finally have this space and this time and we are capable of dealing with the trauma, it comes mm-hmm. back to be healed. So, you know, I dealt with my trauma on this life first. <laughs> and then I started having, uh, as I did that, more and more past lives come up to also be healed. Um, and they were very, again, traumatic and horrible. Um, and so there's a purpose for it. And it's a good purpose. And it has only helped me in my life understand what's happening in this life and why it's happening. Because uh, lots, lot, all your past life stuff is repeating in this life if it's not done yet. Like if you haven't healed it and solved it yet, it's going to keep going. Um, so it's been really profoundly healing and good for me in this life to open up all sorts of new abilities, connections, and just... Um, general upliftment um, for clearing those past things. So I, I say the same thing as I say with everything else. You can go do anything you want. And there's nothing dangerous about trying to retrieve a past life. I just don't know the point, unless it's going to be something that you're actually doing something with, um, you know, like like healing or like understanding a deeper pattern in your current life. Do you think that is the purpose uh, uh, of our lives and that we reincarnate until we finally learn some deeper lesson yeah and i don't i don't even know if it's a lesson so much as it's learning what cause and effect is you know which is what karma is karma literally just means cause and effect um Mm -hmm. and i don't so i don't think it's necessarily like someone's like you better learn your lesson like we're punishing you You go back again until you get it right Mm -hmm. it's that we have free will and we chose this thing and here's the natural consequence to that thing you chose that like here it is here's all the energy that comes with that here's all the emotion and the creations you made here's all the people you hurt or whatever and you are those people again if we get to that highest view of things and so you have to experience it you have to that's cause and effect <laughs> you did experience it so you're going to experience it um right. so i don't i don't like to look at it as the the idea of a lesson because i feel like it feels really punitive and um i don't know <laughs> that's just not yeah, i understand I, I feel the same way it almost seems a little hokey right yeah but like what did i do bad to like end up you know, having like to answer this, this question yeah. in this lifetime. And why did I do the bad thing in the last lifetime if I was right. supposed to do it to begin well, that's, with? That's one of the key things that's been really insightful for me in my past life memories, as well as to understand what I now call, what I call evil in this life, I've done in other lives. And so I go back and I experience that and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is why I did that. This is probably why other people are doing these same things. So I have like... Unfortunately, I don't even want it, but I have this compassion for people who are doing these horrible things because I've literally experienced it now and still have this point of view at the same time. And the merging of those has been really powerful for me because I have a lot. Again, I I don't even like that I have it, but I have compassion for some pretty awful, awful things because I've done those things and I've been those things. And I'll share a story if you'd like to hear it. I want I'm sure, really sure. curious about a really like an actor. Just say hi or... to our friend Gail Heisen, which is a mutual friend Gail! of ours. Oh, yeah. very, uh, my favorite podcast, People, Giant Hugs and Aww. Kisses. <laughs> and uh, it's awesome that you know Gail. We love Gail yeah. as well. Awesome. Uh, her podcast she is small, is. medium at large. Look for that on YouTube because uh, it, it really is awesome. She's it a beautiful awesome. soul. Very yes. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just waiting for this. Were you, like I said, were you axe murderer? I mean, I'm being uh, yeah. silly, but goodness. No, it was pretty close. It was, this was the hardest one, actually. This is my most recent mm, recollection. 
I'm, I think that's not true. I think I've had one more since then, but anyways, one of my more recent ones. So the heaviest ones came out last, I think, but, um, <coughs> excuse me. I, uh, had recall, um, of a life where I was, uh, torturing people and really enjoying it and Ooh, super angry and aggressive and really, really sure that I was doing this for good somehow like somehow my love of torturing these people was serving like i can't i couldn't really pull out what it was but it felt like a kingdom or like a cause you know like a religious or political cause or like a country you know like i was doing this for that and it was like a noble a thing dexter thing yeah well no it was more like these are the people who were trying to like stop our movement and momentum in this political way or whatever and so we have to get the information out of them and we have to stop them. So here I am doing that. And that's a good thing, right? I'm serving my whatever, King or, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. And at some point though, in that life, um, after seeing the most horrible things ever and realizing how awful and horrible I was, um, which is hard, you know, when you're in these experiences and if you go too deeply into rejecting it, it will end and you won't get, what you can out of it and so to stay present with it is actually uh really difficult it's kind of like what we were talking about being really objective and open is is actually really difficult sometimes because we're really attached to things and one of the things i'm really attached mm -hmm. to is that i am, would never torture anything <laughs> like for right? any reason <laughs> um so that was hard to accept but i knew 100 that was me and that i was doing this and at some point in it though i came um to understand somehow that like this wasn't just that things weren't just like meat and bones and it wasn't just mechanical and that there was actually like spirit or spiritual energy like like that just dawned on me as I was like torturing someone and I realized then like what that meant if that was true and that meant that all the people I'd ever tortured was like I was actually damaging more than just again like a meat puppet or like you know like I had this just profound understanding and it broke me and then I went out and um, was suicidal because I was had done all these awful, terrible things. And I finally understood like the gravity of it and what it actually meant. And uh, and then it got even weirder um, because I now was then talking to me then as both of me, which is the weirdest thing I have ever experienced, I believe, actually, after out of all the weird things, it was really, really strange to both like be talking as me now and hearing as me then and like experiencing but i was trying to get me then to not kill myself because suicide at that point would have made things even worse and darker and that if i could stay alive with the new understanding i had actually more could be released and we could get sort of further in our mutual one actually spiritual path and it was really really intense and i came back to this life and i was crying and it was horrible and i had this really bad day because <laughs> i because you experience again like it's you and so uh, me now experiencing myself torturing people is not a pleasant time you know it's, it doesn't just go away when the experience ends you really like it sits with you just like it would if you experienced it and so it took a while for me to really get through that and um and sort of heal from that but I one bet. of the things I realized is that uh you know and it took me a while to connect these two things for some reason. But in this life, in reality, as a small child, when I was five, I was tortured by a dentist. Um, 
And I always was like, why? Why did that happen to me? Like, it was awful torture. Like, it was, he was evil. <laughs> like, he enjoyed it. And he did it on purpose. And it was, and it was ongoing. And every time I went back to the dentist, I had to go do it again. And wow. it was really, this is where my initial trauma in this life really might. Um, terrible. It's terrible. And you, you feel like I'm he, so didn't, sorry. he did not give you Thank enough you. Um, you know, pain medication to he didn't give me any pain or whatever, whatever it was, or the gas or he whatever. gave me nothing. No. He gave me nothing, and he would drill on every tooth, even if it wasn't cavities. And oh. then, yeah, and my I would tell them like it hurts so bad, and I hate this. Why do I have to do this? But every kid says that. Every kid does that. So it didn't seem like to them like. You know, so they didn't know. So I, I had a lot of work to do in this life way before I even had this past life memory of healing that, forgiving my parents for not doing anything to protect me and not believing me or not understanding that it was actually really torturous and all of these things. Um, but then I also finally understood, oh, I mean, there is a reason why that happened to me, <laughs> because I'm literally like rebalancing, if you will, the karma of having been a torturer in a past life. Um, so I then, yeah, yeah, and I got like that karmic balance. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I have this weird, you know, even after I went through uh, PTSD therapy for that experience, I still didn't have real forgiveness for that man. I just had a sort of peace with the situation in general. But after this, I actually did have real forgiveness for him. And I actually did release even more of that trauma by having that actual compassionate forgiveness as a true you you know um it's emotion wow it's very big of you even if it really is for a selfish game because you want the the yeah. release and you want you want to let it go from you you know you're not forgiving him to make him feel better in any way but still you know i i, I have a couple of books behind me on that bookshelf <laughs> that are all about fixing problems like that yeah. <laughs> on a sorcery level sorcery uh, sorcery yeah yeah well and but. i just imagine if i had if i had been older and i had been the the old me that was very aggressive and <laughs> super willing to fight and yeah. all these things um and i and he had done anything like that to me i don't know what i would have done but that would have just kept it going we would have just kept cycling around again and again and again. We're both just going to keep like stabbing each other until, until when, you know? So at some point you have to just, what, like you said, it's actually better for me to release this and forgive you. Whatever happens to you, I don't care. You know, if you can get to that point though, where you genuinely forgive someone for having harmed you, like there is no more deeper release than that. You can mm. fake it till you make it and that'll help a lot too. But when getting to that point where you actually are like, yeah, I really do forgive you. I really do. In your heart. You. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just like, yeah. Literally bury your past, right? Yeah. There you go. I used this word, this was in your bio, and I think we mentioned it earlier, uh, synchro mysticism. Yes. And, yeah. uh, I know this is related to the collective unconscious, and some Jungian thoughts. And um, can you tell us about that? And how? what does that mean to you? Um, to me, it means having synchronicities that are so profound and common in your life that they guide you through experiences that otherwise don't seem possible to other people so they're a bit mystical <laughs> um yes. so many times in my life things have aligned and coincided in such a way that doesn't make sense to the rational 
way worldview uh, and have also led to some of the most profound experiences of my life and biggest life changes and and maybe deepest sort of calls to my path and the work that I do. We're a big fan of synchronicity. Yes. I think I think it was Carl Jung that that uh, coined that term. Yeah, yeah. synchronicity and, and what it means. And certainly we've seen it uh, played out in uh, shows like Hellier, uh, referred to synchronicity a lot. Yeah. And Kristen and I, I love it because we always have these little synchronicities between ourselves. We, since we were younger, actually. Since we were kids, kids. early through our lives. Aww. We didn't but, even know. It's fun <laughs> and, uh, and neat. But uh, um, how does this relate to, to what you do? Um, well, like I said, it's really called me deeper into my path. Uh, in ways that I don't think I would have gotten there without them, uh, without the synchronicities. Um, so I can what tell some of the ones that were more mm. profound and, and, and turned your life. Yeah, this, this one is probably my favorite and was the hardest, but, um, I had been long, long since trying to quit teaching and not succeeding. Cause I have a really giving bleeding heart and I loved children and helping them. And so I didn't want to leave cause uh, they need me, uh, sure. <laughs> you know, but it's a horrifying system and I really despise the educational system and everything that it does. So I, it was, it's always been a really big drain on me to be a part of it as well, but this had been going on for years and, um, I was just at this point where I was just sort of feeling like, I'm not sure I, I've reached every goal I have. Like I have the highest pay I've ever had. I have this beautiful career. I've been at the same, you know, school district for all these years. And I'm in the school that I want to be at and teaching the classes I want to teach. And I have this wonderful partner. He's like good to me and he's not abusive. Like a lot of the other ones had been. And <laughs> I have this house that I literally manifested. I, and there's a whole story behind that too. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> you know, my car and all these things. And I'm just like, awesome. have this the life that I always wanted. And I've arrived. So like, what now? But why do I feel like it's not the life I always wanted? Or like, why do I feel sort of off? Or like, there's something else I'm supposed to be doing. Right. So I went, as I often do, to the forest to contemplate and meditate and ask and you know see what what happened and mm -hmm. um i just ended up on this random trail i didn't really plan on that trail it was just the one i picked as i was driving through you know the mountains where there's thousands of trails and um walk and walk and there's a river and then i get to a waterfall and i'm like oh cool waterfalls are like the best place to like have this energy there's like some little yeah. space there and it's just a really good so i went and sat by this waterfall and no one was around it was perfect and so I was sitting there and I, I was like, okay, what, what should I do? You know, God, source, whatever, whatever you want to call this. I don't really even care, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you. Uh, and I really clearly heard and felt like you need to go further down the river, up the river uh, to your left. And I was like, did I really feel or hear that? Like this was before I really received messages that easily or, you know, and I was like questioning, like, is that really a thing? And then this, you know, like bird flew by. And was like going to the left and like landed on this rock and was sort of like peeping at me. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to go over there. So I get up and I walk over there and, and then I'm like, okay, I'm here now. And it's like, nope, keep going around and across. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, is that really, or should I just stop here and sit and meditate for a while? And then this like dragonfly comes by and it's like, goes over and sits like where I was just told to sort of go. I'm like, okay, I am supposed to go over there. So I go over there and I'm like, okay, now I'm here. And it's like, no, still a little bit more. There's like another little like waterfall coming down and a little like 
pond sort of thing and you need to go to the other side of that. And I'm like, this is like really clear instructions. Like, am I crazy or <laughs> is this really happening? And like another like bird or something like flew to that exact spot. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I went over there. So I sit down and I'm like, okay, now I'm in the spot, right? And it's like, yes, you're in the spot. And I'm like, okay, what now? And it's like, look down. And I look down and there's just a knife and it's just open and it's sitting right in front of me. And mm -hmm. I'm, and that's weird enough. I'm like, yeah. wow, who just leaves an open knife just sitting on a rock at this place where not many people would go because I was like told to like kind of climb back in here. <laughs> it's not on the trail. Someone wow. just leaves this knife here. And then I remembered almost exactly a year before to the day, uh, me and my partner had been at this lake, which I again had just suddenly like, I need to stop and get out of the car and walk. Let's just walk. And then I was like, I need to go over to that point way over there. And he's like, it's really cold and windy. Why are we doing this? I'm like, I just want to walk to that point for some reason. <laughs> I walk to that point. There's a knife open and laying in the, that point. So I, almost exactly a year before this to the day, there had been a knife open and laying on a rock, just like there was a knife open and laying on a rock. And I was like, what? <laughs> what is How? this? The symbolism What's of the, the yeah. knife. So I thought, asked myself, what does this actually mean? And it was saying to me, we have to cut it all off. And I was like, cut what all off? And, it, and I didn't want to accept the answer, but the answer was my whole life. I had to cut off my teaching. I had to sell my house. I had to sell my car and I had to leave my partner. And I had to go on a grand adventure and drive around the North American continent, continent for a while <laughs> by wow. myself in like a van. A wee girl. Yeah, yes. to cut course <laughs> yeah. of your current existence and, and have a sort of spiritual rebirth. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, why this knife and why that time? Why did I find it that first time and now again today? And, and, it was, and that first time that I had found it, I was the most hungover I'd probably ever been. I was my highest weight I'd ever been. And I was super mm -hmm. sick. And I had just had like a horrible weekend because of my own uh, alcohol abuse. Um and part of that, at least, was I, I don't want to blame my partner, but we were in it together. You know, like we were <laughs> we were in we were both getting trashed and doing whatever and not being very good to ourselves. And so as much mm -hmm. as he was a beautiful soul, and we're still very good friends. Um, you know, that relationship had an energy that was stagnant and we had both gotten what we needed out of it. And I just wasn't ready to admit that. And if I hadn't done this little sojourn into the woods and found that knife, I don't think I would have um, broken done up with anything. him and left my job yeah. and sold my house and done all that. But I had more synchronicities after that, that like confirmed it again and again and again, because, you know, I had to be in denial for a while and really like, are you sure? Like, come yeah. on, <laughs> like this can't right. be what I'm supposed to do. But man, trusting that type of synchronicity chain, um, and, you know, those events and those times where you're getting these deep messages and you and you do understand them, even if you don't want to, if you really follow through, I mean, that's when my life completely transformed. And that's, you know, now I'm here again doing what I really came to Earth to do, which is spiritual healing work and uh, and and everything else I do <laughs> now. That's so fascinating yeah. because the knife meant something to you. So again, mm -hmm. there's that spirit communication through symbolism, right? Yes. So that twice you see an open knife, it means something to you. You look at it, you interpret that as like, oh, I need to cut, cut the all cord. these things, cut these cords around through my life. Another person would say, well, that's just weird. Why is there a knife on the rock? Yeah, exactly. I should go fillet a fish or something. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Give me back my fillet of fish. Don't start. Yeah. You know, 
fun and games <laughs> until you choke on a fillet of fish and pee the bed. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, this is exactly like uh... <laughs> that. Seems random, but means something it was. Cool. But it's a private joke. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. I hey, it wasn't me. Well, I'll say that that symbolism. <laughs> plucked straight from my brain and put on that rock in the form of a knife is exactly mm. like the earlier demonic, you know, oh, she has this affinity for this little girl shape and like, you know, that mm. sort of thing. And so just like I said earlier, your your allies, your spirits of light, your whatever, your good energies are all around you all the time and they have the same abilities. They can take things from your mind. They know everything you think and do in all of your past and future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, Thursday, we were talking about uh, alien abduction phenomena quite a bit. And uh, one of the things that, that turns up in a lot of the phenomena, I, I hear this talked about by people like Grant uh, Cameron Cameron, and, uh, and others, is that the, the aliens have actually told people, and I'll put aliens in quote, that we can only show you what you know because we pull it from your brain. Yes. Yep. You know, and there you see the crossover of uh, phenomena, right? We're talking about spiritual phenomena, alien phenomena. Um, you know, it's kind of all the same and it comes through, through symbolism a lot of times and yes. stuff that you already holding there in your noggin. So in your this noggin. Is why, so fascinating. This is why back in the day, people would see aliens as airships and we don't see aliens in airships anymore. <laughs> we have no, new symbolism no. now. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, Our people's perceptions of what those right. UFOs look like change. Uh, we were talking about a, a Canadian, um, and I forget the gentleman's name. I had it written down in front of me. Uh, experience, uh, experiencer who saw a, a UFO and in a way it worked. He saw two cigar shaped objects in the sky and they morphed into something that was more like the nuts and bolts type, uh, UFO like that people were used to seeing in 1967. Right. He sketched it and he sat there for like a half an hour drawing it and it looked like, you know, something the military may have had on the back lot you know and it was in the hangar 18 or, or whatnot and uh, they, i just find that just totally fascinating yeah you know uh, back in um early northern america and the colonies were formed here and we had the mass bay colonies there was a group of people and this is the first reported incident of ufo phenomena mm -hmm. in the u.s uh going down i believe it was the the muddy river which is uh, similar to the charles river here up our way in Massachusetts, uh, heading toward Boston, they were on a Boston. Did I just say Boston? I did, did my accent slipped out there for a minute. <laughs> uh, going down a river, right? And they they look up in the sky and they see what looks like a, a flaming pig. Yeah, because those are the things that they know, right? They don't know what a, <laughs> yeah. a saucer looks like yeah. with bolts and you know the door coming down. Take me to the leader. They don't know any of that. They just see this kind of lights in the sky. And they experience this time lapse phenomena, and hours go by, and they end up like way down the river, and they have no idea how they got there. Yeah, you know, they're all staring at the the flaming pig in the sky, missing yeah. time. So uh -huh. yeah, it is uh, it is a personal experience, and uh, we can only do what our brains can put together at that time, I guess. Yes, and if you're you know if you're open and you're interacting with these entities, I've seen them do crazy things that again if they if they were material it wouldn't make sense at all um but because i know that there are spiritual entities and i'm not opposed to perhaps there are physical actual aliens and ships and whatever but i've never seen them and i've seen thousands of you know what you would call ufos and they're always doing that same sort of stuff like shape-shifting or doing things that don't make sense materially but i've even seen in the daylight 
uh, one that was a Cessna plane flying. And I just stopped and hovered and like turned towards me. And I was like, well, that's not possible. But I already know at this point, like you're some kind of spiritual entity or whatever, you know, like, I don't know what you're doing. And then it just turned into like a jumbo jet and like flew a different direction. Wow. Wow. In daylight, in broad daylight. So I'm like, well, they can do anything. They can look like anything because they're spiritual energy and because they're working with your perception and not with physical reality. Like you said, it's, it's coming through your lens. And so I've even had experiences where, um, you know, when I'm working with uh, spiritual energies on behalf of other people, they're trying to tell me things and they'll just say to me, you don't even know the word or the concept. So we can't tell you. And I'm like, well, that sucks for all of us. Like, how, how can we get around this? You know, and so they'll give me like a series of like images and things. And I kind of can piece it together like a puzzle and then go searching on the Internet and find the thing that I didn't know about except I was told in this way. So it really is like you can only experience what you understand somewhat at least or have a frame of reference for. And then it's always going to be using your lens, your specific set of experiences and your Mm -hmm. specific ideology. Right. Again, like those knives on the rock. Yeah. Yeah. So fascinating. What do you think about the the idea that sometimes uh, information is given to a person or downloaded, however we want to put it, that kind of just leads you into these rabbit holes. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. there's just I'm thinking yeah. about yeah. some subject. And, and it's my feeling or opinion ours that um, they use that psychic energy of our thoughts and, and concentrating it to bring themselves closer to us and our reality. But what, right. what do you think? And have you experienced that, that rabbit hole phenomena? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't as much anymore, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I look at it again as sort of a sort of an attack, like, you know, they're (laughs) meaning to um, disrupt and and kind of feed off of you in whatever way. Uh, But it's also, again, been a nice training for me to understand more and more how to be connected with sources that are more pure and get more accurate information um, that I can trust. And rather than just random endless loopholes and (laughs) rabbit holes that you can fall down for Mm -hmm. no purpose at all. Um, So it is there. And, you know, I don't even think all of these things are like so evil or dark, but it's still like annoying. It's like a mosquito. You're like, I'm sure you serve some kind of purpose, but I don't really want to deal with you. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it seems like they just want us to think about it. Like, I'll just give you just enough to think about and keep you guessing, keep you thinking with, with no logical conclusions ever materializing, except now you realize wow, I've, I've been thinking about this entity for weeks and now, you know, things seem more real. We went through a, a certain attachment haunting thing here, Negative. Kristen and I, yes. that seemed to be just this rabbit hole that wouldn't end, but, you know, would but, give us enough words, enough things to just kind of like, all right, we we really got to figure this out. This is important. This is important, but it wasn't mm-hmm. important. Uh, we were the important ones to it. Yeah, right. You were feeding exactly the energy and making it more real and it was the only way to really banish the thing for us was to stop thinking about it like really take time to just not think about it which you know when we didn't and it went away but we were able to do it yeah a phenomenon around the house thank you so i just people out there that are 
trying to banish things. Yeah. It's harder. It's harder to do than you might think to stop thinking yeah. about a thing that you've been thinking about for a long time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is. But we were obsessed at, at that point. And I think uh, that's where that rabbit hole thing kind of goes into a state of obsession. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, danger in that as well in this, um, in the rabbit holes themselves and in the obsessions themselves, you know, if there's no balance in what you're doing, it's going to not serve you well. Um, and a lot of people get really, especially I think in like the spiritual pathways and the spiritual communities, they get obsessed with like obtaining knowledge or obtaining spiritual experiences and they just keep going. It's like a drug to them. And at this point, um, Again, you're much more likely to send yourself into spirals and down the wrong pathways and attracting the wrong kinds of energies um, because it's not balanced. And I just always suggest to people, you know, you're going to find what you need when you need it, period, unless you're forcing otherwise <laughs> your life and your soul have a way just like those synchronicities, just like that knife on the rock. If you're just open and balanced and just moving forward all the time with that intention that you're going to keep on your path and keep attracting what's right. It's just going to happen. Um, and you don't have to obsessively search for anything ever. <laughs> you don't, you know, and there's this quote that I really love and it's a Khalil Gibran quote, and I'm probably going to get it wrong. Uh, but it's something like, you know, it can be revealed to a person in a single moment, what has been hidden from mankind for all of time. So you don't have to rely on, endless research and like memorizing everything and all of this stuff to have a profound experience or a really deep understanding come to you or those downloads like we were talking about that channeled information like we were talking about that can mm -hmm. happen to anyone at any time and it's more likely to happen if you're balanced <laughs> and you're healthy and you're treating yourself well and you're doing the things you need to um to be in balance and wellness um so I just, I always like to throw that out there in general, because it is, like you said, these trickstery spirits and these sort of guys that want attention so they can have more solidity to themselves. Um, they're sometimes behind some of those obsessive searches as well that might be really full of good information and somewhat meaningful to your life. But again, if there's not balance there, it's going to it's gonna come back at you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do think the thoughts have um, oh, yeah. some sort of weight. You know, in the spiritual world, and the more you think about something, the more you're, you can feed it, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's what manifestation is based on, right? Right. Yeah. How do you think manifestation actually occurs? Do you think it occurs on something like quantum a level? Quantum level, quantum entanglement. Yeah. I mean, I've had people say to me, because, for example, I said I manifested that house and I really did. I sat down and I made like a picture. I'm like, this is what I want. I want to find a house just like this. I'm going to draw it. And I put all these symbols on it that mean something to me and <laughs> drew a tarot card and put that on there because that meant something to me and all of this stuff. And I like spent time looking at it every day. And then I kind of put it away at some point and was like, I'm too busy and I'm going to be moving soon and whatever. Well, when I went finding my house, I found a house that looked exactly like that house i didn't even realize it until after i bought the house and someone was like hey didn't you draw that house a little while ago and i was like oh my god i did i pulled the drawing out and it was like exactly the house with the That's same awesome. dog and the same tree and like everything was exactly the same and i've had someone say to me well do you think you manifested that or do you think you knew part of you knew like the future and you were just seeing the future and my answer is what does it matter 
what's the difference? <laughs> Isn't it the same exact thing? Like there's an infinite number of futures and possibilities. So right. didn't I just select the one in which I found that house? I don't think I'm literally creating a house with my thoughts. That's not what I think is happening. I think I am directing myself to follow the pathways that lead to the timeline in which this thing occurs that I am trying to experience. Um, um, fascinating. Love this. Yeah, that, that is awesome. <laughs> That's really a, is. an amazing way to think about it. Yeah. Um, I enjoy what that. you doing? Those remind me of a book. <laughs> <laughs> Get another book. We're getting props. I do. <laughs> There's always another book. Always. <laughs> I got to find a quote. Uh, did you want to ask that? No, I can't find a lean cars question. I think uh, it what, melds it. My uh, she was asking if uh, you had experienced five D or five dimensional or uh, four dimensional experiences. Yeah, and that's my my mom. That's Elaine out there. Yeah, I think that's what all of the things we've been talking about are. Um, you know, I think when we're talking about manifestation, when we're talking about um, ceremonial space, spirit walking, dream walking, astral projection, all of these things are happening in another dimension. Uh, so I'm not willing to classify which are four or which are five or which are six, seven, eight, nine or ten. I'm I'm Very not interested in the number of the dimension <laughs> necessarily, but, mm -hmm. but but it's definitely not this reality and experience mm -hmm. and dimension so it's you know, a it's parallel um, parallel right. space yeah so you you think of um parallel and multiverse basically yeah 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 that's really both cool. both and all because if you really think about <laughs> whatever is happening here whatever we are and whatever we're doing here um we we do seem to see that there is infinite infinite mm -hmm infinities <laughs> and so whether yeah. we're looking out into the galaxies or we're looking down in the atomic level like it never stops so i have to imagine then that there is everything all the time <laughs> yes we agree everything uh, is true and nothing is real yeah. right? <laughs> i love that you go to the forest that's my thing as well that's my happy Yay. place <sighs> yeah that is so cool and it's something yeah. we talk about and a lot to be some kind we of love trees and backing to just getting back to nature uh, our friend Ken Allen says, I love rabbit holes, baby. Ken Allen, the <laughs> stable podcast. And I mentioned here, profound spiritual experiences do not happen while playing it safe at home. Well, you're right, Ken. Yes, they, they you are. Not. You can't play it safe sometimes. You got to, you know, not get go out there. Get out That's there. It. Get to the woods. Uh, get inside your own head. Yeah. And stop looking at your phone and look up, people. There's that's right. stars and right. you know Milky Way. Just look up. It's something we mentioned last Saturday uh, yeah. on last Saturday's show was that uh, if thirty years ago, you know, I could have imagined people just walking around staring at these little black boxes in their hands. I would have thought that was a science fiction movie, but right. here we are, you know, and we we do it. See, we can add to Ken's statement and say. Um, you're never going to have a profound spiritual experience by being on your phone <laughs> or on a computer. It's very true. <laughs> Get out of the algorithm, That's right. right? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, people can find you at, at rogueways.org, R-O-G-U-E, ways, W-A-Y-S.org. Uh, you do tarot readings for people as well. And what else can they expect from that website? And how else can they reach you? 
It's a really good Thank you. Uh, I've worked very hard on it for many years. And um, there are so many things there. I have books. I think I'm at five now. They are mostly channeled books. There's one that's not. Um, and there's some fiction and there's some nonfiction. And uh, my favorite one is my newest one. It's called um, All Endings Are Beginnings. And it is meant to be used as an oracle. Uh, so if you purchase it uh, from the site, you uh, can get my inscription, which is also a channeled message to you. Uh, and maybe every wow. day you just open it and there's, you know, a nice passage there to give you a little boost for that day. Or you can consult it, ask a question, like I said, like an Oracle and open to a page and there will be your answer. And I, one of my favorite things is how many people send me their experiences using it as an Oracle and how like perfectly right on it was. And it's really beautiful to be a part of that. So I hope everyone goes and grabs all endings or beginnings. You can also get it and all of my books on Amazon and uh, Barnes and Nobles, but um, either way. And Personally, I like the personal one. Oh, I love that. Touch. I love awesome. that. That's very, very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, and this becomes an audio podcast. So just so people know, if they're just, yes. you know, happen to click upon this, it's an application or something like that. Your name is Lindsay Sharman and it's uh, S-C-H-A-R-M-Y-N yes. is uh, how you spell your last name. And that that is really fascinating, yes, and is. the author of four other books as well. This was a wonderful, wonderful podcast insight. Loved yeah, it. lots of insight, oh, lots of things. I, oh, I think we great. could talk another hour easy. Yeah. I think we, you're going to have to come back at some point. Our, our well, can I? Yeah. <laughs> can I? Can I plug a few more things really quick? Please Absolutely, do. please do. I just started doing um, guided meditations each week, twice a week with people. And so you buy it as a subscription for the month. And right now it's on special for $50. So if you go to the shop at rogueways.org, you can grab that. And I also have an event coming up. Uh, it's the fifth one of its kind. Every solstice and equinox, I lead a sort of class and immersion and deeper spiritual experience and meditation and, and some learning as well. Um, and so this 19th of December, we'll be celebrating the winter solstice and you can grab tickets to that event also on the site rogueways.org and you can find links to my podcast i have rogueways and a show called middle path as well as all the different communities and ways to support me and there's even more than that but i'll stop talking now it's <laughs> excellent site you no, that, that is awesome that is you're welcome that is awesome thank you so much Lindsay. yes thank you Lindsay. Uh, we, thank you we love having you on this has been a, a true pleasure we'd love to have you back and talk yes. some more yeah we'll do, anytime great all right thank you so much thank, thank you, you guys. you're welcome and that's about all the time we have for bigfoot and the bunny is next thursday thanksgiving my goodness yes good lord it's thanksgiving we probably won't be on but we will probably uh we're gonna do a live do show a, from our friends not on thursday we're not no on saturday yeah <laughs> Baby. Friendsgiving. Uh, yeah, we're gonna do Friendsgiving next Saturday. Yep. Uh from up. James Anito's house. We're gonna talk to James Anito and Carl Johnson. Mm -hmm. On uh Thursday night will be the actual Thanksgiving. So maybe maybe we'll do a replay or something yeah, along those replay. lines. And um yeah, we're looking forward to that. There'll be some surprises on Saturday with the Friendsgiving. Mm -hmm. Uh there's gonna be a whole bunch of, of peeps there and some I don't know. I guess we're eating the turkey from Thursday. I'm making new turkey, but you're making shrimp Mozambique. I am. So I'm looking forward to that. I am too. And uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see you either way. And uh, again, thank you for listening. Whatever platform this is on and re realize that you can reach out to us again at facebook.com slash Bigfoot and the Bunny if you want to communicate with us. Thanks you guys again, have a great guys. week. 
Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Take care.